Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is from Genesis chapter 23. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is, Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my lord. You are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land, and he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, Hear me, and entreat for me Ephron the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave at Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price let him give it to me in your presence, as a property for a burying place. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you will hear me, I give the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, My lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth four hundred shekels of silver, what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, four hundred shekels of silver, according to the weights current among the merchants. So the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area, was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. This is the word of the Lord. The main conversation point in this chapter, really, for a family, is going to be to talk some about death. What we have here is death and burial. So what do we do today when someone dies? And you have the opportunity to talk about funerals and how we bury our dead and and what this looks like and, and why do we do it and why do we go to the church? What's that funeral all about? The funeral, by the way, is all about Jesus, or it should be. Christian churches fail on this miserably throughout this land. But the point of the funeral is to point the the people who are grieving not to the person, not to the one who is dead, who is in the casket. Their life failed, or they wouldn't be in the casket. It's to point them to the one who has conquered death, 
death could not hold Jesus Christ, and therefore it will not hold the one who has died before us either. He will raise them. He has promised to raise them. The point of the funeral is to point grieving Christians to the comfort and hope of the resurrection and to show grieving non-Christians the hope that we have, that this is not the end. If the funeral sermon doesn't do that, Pastor, what are you doing? This is your chance. I would encourage you all as as Christians to think now about Bible verses that are relevant to you that you would like your pastor to preach on at your funeral someday. What are words that you want your family to hear, not about you, but about Christ? I would encourage the same kind of thinking with our obituaries as well, which end up just being about us and what, look at what I did. It didn't matter. It didn't end up in good. I can't conquer the grave, but Christ has conquered it for me. Point, you have a, a newspaper article that, like, I don't know, hundreds of people are going to read. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. That's the other part of this conversation, and I've mentioned it already, but the other conversation question you can ask, what, what do we believe will someday happen to the dead, to this dead person? to this body. We believe that Christ will raise the body from death, that he will take the body and soul and reunite them together again and care for them forevermore in his paradise, the new heaven, the new earth he is preparing even now. All right, so our passage today starts with a very simple note that Sarah lived 127 years and she died. It's worth acknowledging, though, She is the only woman in all of Scripture of whom we are told her age at death. We don't know how long any other woman in the Bible lived. It's a very common thing to have said of the men as we're tracing the generations through the book of Genesis especially, but it's unique here. This does tell us that that she, Sarah, was married to Abraham for at least 60 years. She was 65 or 66 when they moved from Haran down to Hebron and to the promised land in Canaan. They might have been married a little before that for several years. We just don't know. So 61 years of marriage at at minimum for Abraham and Sarah. She died at Hebron. That's one of the places that Abraham was used to setting up his tent and living. And he mourns. He grieves the death of his wife. You might have to talk about what mourning or grief are to children, especially if they haven't seen it. Some of them have, many of them have, because death is a part of this world. It's a part of our brokenness. It's not natural. It's not normal. At least not in that way. It's not what God has created and designed and intended for his people. It is a consequence of sin. So Abraham, after weeping, then goes to the Hittites, literally the sons of Heth. Uh, Heth is a son of Canaan from Genesis chapter 10, verse 15. So the Hethites, but we call them Hittites in English. And he acknowledges that as a sojourner, as a foreigner among them, he owns no land. He has nowhere to bury his dead. He wants to bury his wife. The Hittites' response 
shows a tremendous amount of respect. Hear us, my Lord. So they call him Lord. You are a prince of God among us. That's a interesting phrase to say the least. And in particular, as a title shows up nowhere else in scripture, no one else is referred to as prince of God. The word prince, the title God, prince of peace even used of God, but prince of God just once here. So Lord, prince of God, bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. What great respect they are showing to him. They have they've had the opportunity to live among his household, to have his household live among them, however you want to phrase that, for probably a few decades at this point, really. Um, so Abraham is 136, 137 years old. He's lived in Canaan for 60 years, and they've seen him. They know him, they know of his family, they know how blessed God has made him, and they respect him. And so they offer the greatest, the choicest of their tombs to him. They're not even going to charge him, just bury your dad. No one of us will withhold from you his tomb. Yet Abraham, in respect to them, bows to them, it's a sign of respect, And since they have shown such a willingness to help him, he counters it and says what he would like in particular then, that they would strongly urge Ephron, one of the Hittite men, for a specific field and cave at Machpelah. Machpelah, by the way, means double in Hebrew. So it might be a reference to the idea that this is a a double-sized field twice as large as maybe a normal portion, or maybe it's a double, doubly productive field, uh, just a, a wonderful piece of land in that regard. We don't know, but that's the meaning. And he offers full price. For the full price, let him give it to me. He's going to buy this piece of property in the promised land. And by the end of the text, he does acquire it that way. It's worth noting then that the first piece of land that the people of God own in the promised land is not given by gift by the Lord or by conquest, as most of it will come uh, hundreds of years later, but instead is purchased by Abraham for the purpose of burial. Again, the importance of burial being highlighted in this chapter. So Ephron's present. He's among them. And he responds, he answers to Abraham, No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field. I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, so all these are witnesses, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Again, the great respect and generosity being shown to Abraham in this account. He doesn't want to prevent Abraham from burying his dead. He simply offers him, take it. The cave is yours. The field is yours. It's yours. Just go bury your dead. Abraham again bows, so showing mutual respect here once more, and offers to pay for it. Accept the price from me. Ephron, again, counters. And a lot of commentators 
take this a different way than I do. They'll take this as Ephron charging Abraham an exorbitant amount for this piece of land. But I don't see it that way. I again continue to see his respect and generosity to Abraham. So he says, my Lord, listen to me, a piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. So he states the value of the land. Okay, not denying that. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. The phrase, what is that between me and you and me, indicates to me Ephron still does not want payment. If he wanted payment, he would have just said, my Lord, listen to me, the piece of land is worth 400 shekels of silver. And he was stopped, but he didn't. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. I give you the field. Take it. That's the kind of impression I get from this text. But by the way, a shekel is two-fifths of an ounce. So this is 160 shekels, uh, sorry, 160 ounces of silver. By today's standards, that's roughly $4,000. Um, that's certainly not an exorbitant price for a piece of land, but you know, land prices fluctuate over centuries. They fluctuate over weeks sometimes. Abraham listens, hears that dollar amount, that shekel amount, that silver amount, and he weighs it out and he gives it to Ephron. He pays him. He has purchased the field. And so in the presence of all of these Hittites in the city gate, this piece of land, Machpelah, which is east of Mamre, the oaks of Mamre, Hebron, where, where Abraham's been staying, it's on the east side, it is made his. Abraham now has land among the Canaanites, among the Hittites. And he goes and he buries Sarah, his wife, in that cave. Later, also, Abraham, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Leah would all also be buried in this same cave. Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. There are many today who still believe that this burial place is findable. Um, so this is from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. The Kerem at Hebron, which present-day tradition, Christian, Jewish, and Muslim, recognizes as built over the cave of Machpelah, is one of the most jealously guarded sanctuaries in the world. Only on rare occasions and through the exercise of much political pressure have a few honored Christians been allowed to visit the spot. So the idea that there is a place in the Middle East today that is viewed to be this location and the burial place of, again, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, along with their wives, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah, not Rachel, but Leah's there, that you would be able to find their remains in this place. But as the Muslims would view it as holy space, holy land, they do not allow Christians, in their view, infidels, in some of their language, to visit such a place. I don't know if there's any reality to that or not, um, or if it has simply been, been lost and destroyed to time. That's a possibility as well. But it was at least worth bringing up. So, again, a lot of the patriarchs buried in this place, a lot of our history as Christians, as the people of God, tied to that part of the world. Let us praise the Christ who suffered in our place, Jesus died.